Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And it's been a while since I've put out an interview on the podcast. Um, actually, I have four interviews to put out, which is a funny thing for me because I usually like after I do the interview, I'm just so excited I want to release it. But um, as most of you know, um, it's been basically a month of holidays. Uh, on the Jewish calendar, and it's been um, very busy, needless to say, so I haven't really been able to focus on the podcast, Um, but I really wanted to give the podcast, like, my full attention when I did put the episode out, so this episode is with Yael Trush, who I have had on my podcast before, and she's had me on her podcast, which is now called Jewish Money Matters, Um, and it used to be called Jewish Latin Princess. So that was, she's already been podcasting for about five years, as you'll hear. Um, and they were, and I'm actually really excited to release this episode because for me, the information was super helpful. Always one, I'm always wondering what the Jewish approach is to money, right? Like, I think we all have this funny relationship with money, um, same with our relationship with food and our bodies. We feel confused like should we want money should we not want money we need money in order to live but it's a is it a bad thing is it a good thing um I know for myself I have a funny relationship with money always trying to unpack it and figure it out and um she this episode actually gave me like a lot of chizuk and um strengthening in my um my understanding of how we feel about money and always kind of evaluating if we are using money as a tool for good or for not so good so i really um found it to be a really helpful episode a really interesting episode i love speaking to yael um she's super interesting to listen to and she's so wise and um you can definitely reach out to her i'm going to put her information in the show notes um for if you want to sign up for any of her um course that money and without further ado here's the episode Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Yael Trush. Hi, Yael. Hi, Gila. It's so good to be back and to reconnect with you. It's so good to have you here. And I'm so excited to hear all about your rebranding of your podcast. And so let's start with this. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Where do you live and where do you do? Yes. What so- do you do? <laughs> Yes. So I live in Houston, Texas. I am a mother of four children, a wife and a podcast host and money coach. So um, back in and this ties to the rebranding back Mm -hmm. in 2020, after having tiptoed a little bit around the topic of money, I started going full on and teaching women um, how to think about money, like 
work on their money mindset and how to manage money, um, all from a Jewish perspective. And so that kind of eventually led to the rebrand of the podcast. So you probably have been listening to the show. It's been five and a half year. I think you were one of the earlier listeners. I've been uh, here since, I don't want to say the beginning, but probably the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the early days, the early yeah. days. And I can't believe it's been so long. What ha- what ended up happening, um, Gila, was, you know, I started this podcast as an extension of what used to be my blog, where I blogged at Jewish Latin Princess. And there was a space where I really wanted to, the overarching message was that Judaism is not a you know, three day a year thing. It's not something that, you know, happens once in a while. It's integral to your life and it and and it informs every aspect of a woman, a Jewish woman's life from, you know, your business, your work, your marriage, your parenting, the art that you put in your home, your food. Like there is so much Judaism is holistic, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure, um, and this was something that I was teaching all around. I had different learning groups around town and so far. And so I had this blog and I fell in love with podcasting. And now this is, mind you, the days when nobody in the Jewish world had a podcast, or at least an explicitly Jewish podcast. Yes. But I loved you podcasting. You were the first, right? I think yes. you were the first of all the... As, as, as far as I know, yes. And, um, and, you know, back in those days, people were like, what's a podcast? And even two, three years into it, people were still what's a podcast right now with the pandemic, obviously we've had like a tremendous growth in the industry. But so what happened is I kind of linked, I used to do these video interviews for the blog where I would feature different women that I thought were doing tremendous contributions to the world. And they didn't have to be fully observant or even slightly observant, but I felt like somehow what they were doing really had something to do with their soul's essence and their mission in the world. And I love that topic. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have a podcast about it. And this is how I started interviewing, you know, the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women, as I called it. But as that kept growing um, and my reach kept growing, I kept going on speaking engagements and traveling to different parts of the world and also writing for different publications. I kept writing for the blog and interacting, like I said, teaching. And I kept kind of feeling like, what is it that I'm helping people with? Because Mm. in general, people are searching for something and it comes from a, like a deep rooted soul need, but we don't feel it as a soul need. We feel it as physical beings. So we struggle Mm -hmm. with physical things. We don't, you don't come to me and say, I have an ache in my soul. I have something Mm -hmm. in my soul that's aching. No, you come to me because my marriage is falling apart or I, I'm suffering with an eating disorder and I just don't know what to do or I have depression, right? Really physical things that affect my physical being. And yes, they might be rooted in the soul. For sure, we know they are, but they're physical ailments. So I kept thinking, what is it that I'm helping people with, right? Because I can't really reach them if I'm in such a soul kind of level. Mm -hmm. So I kept thinking, you know, things that I see people struggling with, women specifically, Jewish women more specifically, were, you know, issues in their marriage, in their parenting, in the relationship with food and or body. And Mm. then there was issues with money and maybe even how that affected their marriage or just even with money, you know, trying to grow money, trying to manage money, trying to run their businesses, you know, anything that had to do with that. And I was like, you know what? I I'm a pretty good mother. I love being a mother, but I don't know that I want to talk about parenting the whole day and help people with that the whole day. I basically was looking for how do I really help people? Because I feel like I'm doing nice things, but I'm not getting to that point where I feel like I'm, I'm helping people have a transformation. So parenting, maybe marriage, 
I have a nice marriage and yeah, I have a lot to say about that food, but I don't know yet food and body image. I really have nothing to say about really other than whatever I've learned with you, but not much more than that. And then came the financial piece, the money piece. And I'm like, oh, I have a lot to say about that. Not only did I have an education in it, as you probably know, you heard me say this before in your show, but I have a degree in business. I studied economics. I worked in banking. But despite all that, Gila, I also had my own financial struggles. Mm-hmm. These degrees and this, this experience in the, in, the, in the business world or in the workplace did not translate into great financial management. It did not translate into a great money mindset. And once I got married, I also realized that that was having an impact on the relationship because now there's two, right? And there was, so I started thinking, well, maybe really people are suffering with that. And so the more I started kind of talking about it, the more I got the feedback that, yeah, we want more. Like I could sense that people were really hurting. And then what ended up happening is throughout this journey, I already had the podcast for a couple of years and I was at a speaker's bureau doing like a super amazing training. And the last part of that training was you needed to fly to Baltimore and you needed to do a presentation in front of a panel of administration of this big Jewish organization. And there was also going to be an audience and you're going to get your final evaluation after, you know, a few months of work. And that final evaluation, you know, piece was to come and do an 18 minute TED talk style speech. So I opened my computer. I mean, I have dozens of files of things that I've talked about and written about and so on and so forth. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about? Right. I'm going to craft my Ted talk. And my husband stopped me and he says, this is the moment you've been waiting for. You've been wanting to talk about money and Judaism for a very long time. You could take the easy road and take any of your other speeches and you'll be fine. You'll be, you'll do great. You'll probably pass with flying colors, but if you really, really want to take advantage of this opportunity, you're going to challenge yourself and you're going to write something completely new. And you're going to write about Judaism and money. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't say that. No, you're not allowed to tell me that. He's like, but it's the truth. And I was like, <laughs> you know, when your partner knows exactly what needs yeah, to happen, right? Sounds like he's a really good husband. Yes. Baruch Hashem. And so it was, this was the hardest speech I've ever written. It took like everything out of me. It was called, it is called from princess to pauper. And I went to Baltimore, I delivered this talk and it was like, whoa, the sea parted. Like, first of all, you could hear a pin drop in the room. And when I finished this audience, like the amount of questions and comments and feedback. And I was like, oh God, I get it. You Mm -hmm. want me to talk about this. And then the organization sat with me and gave me my evaluation. And they were like, this is not just a speech. This is a whole movement. You have to start classes and you have to da 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 And I was like, whoa, God, I get the message. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes time and it takes dealing with your, you know, kind of like your fears and your, you know, how do I do this? And right. So what ended up happening is I kept talking about it a little bit more openly, right on the show and bringing the topic more kind of weaving it to my content until eventually in 2020, when the world went completely online, I was like, well, I have a captive audience. I know they're struggling. I've known this for a while. I have a really engaged newsletter. Let me just ask them. Let me just put a course online. Let's do four weeks. And within one hour, I had sold, I don't know, like 15 slots of this course mm-hmm. that I had put together in my brain. I hadn't even written it down, but I didn't need to. I knew what I was going to teach them, right? 
And then when we finished those first four weeks, they were like, in week three, they're like, we're not really finishing next week, are we? And I was like, uh, well, you want more? Well, of course we want more. And I was like, sure, we'll do a part two. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is, this is it. This is what I'm meant to be doing. You know, in the process also Chabad.org had me write a column for them. So I do write a column um, on, on Jewish money matters for them. So, you know, it, it just, it became, and then the, cor- the, the, pro- the course grew, you know, I, I tweaked it and I launched it several times and then I launched it in Spanish several times. And then I had a membership and then we wow. closed down the membership after wow. a year and we tweaked again. And we, so it's gone through different iterations, but it's been this beautiful business journey where I feel like I'm really serving a real need and in, in the way that I really like, I love educating. I love talking. I love sitting with people like yourself and, you know, talking about our careers, our families, our business, and, and, and also bringing that Jewish wisdom, you know, and that Jewish perspective, perspective, which I thought was so lacking on, which I knew had helped me personally. Um, and so what happened with the podcast is at some point I'm like, well, instead of kind of trying to weave this content into the show, if now all my revenue generation generating activities are linked to money coaching, then the podcast needs to follow. And it was kind of hard because I had like mixed feelings. There were a lot of people who were like, no way, you're the Mm -hmm. Jewish Latin princess Mm -hmm. and you built this and it's four plus years. Are you kidding me? And then, but I just knew that it needed to shift if I wanted this to grow and to help people find me, help people find this information and have a place where they can come to and listen and get educated and gain and grow, you know? And so I finally, and I did consult with my audience and there were, they even, you know, kind of voted on the name of the show and all that. And uh, eventually, yeah, we changed the cover art, we changed the title Mm -hmm. and we sort of, it was, I think everybody kind of like transitioned with me you know I'm mm-hmm. sure I maybe lost a few listeners but I gained also a whole bunch and I think a lot of people just kind of yourself just stayed because they appreciated the the the, the voice the tone and the underlying messages the style of questioning so it's been an interesting transition and um, I I'm definitely not scared of transitions at this point <laughs> That is super fascinating. Thank you for explaining it. I wanted to just like pull it apart because there's like mm-hmm. so many pieces here. So first of all, you said you're um you have a degree in business, right? Yes, I have a master's and, in business. Okay, you have a master's in business. You also I um I'll post the show notes. I mean, in my show notes, I'll post the link to our other episodes. But like, you didn't grow up religious, right? So Correct. you came from, and that now you are teaching. You were teaching so many other women, and then you said you saw this this these themes that people were struggling with their marriages, with their body image, um, parenting, and then the separate aspect of money. But it sounds like when you started, it it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was your calling to talk about money, although that was your training, right? As a business. Meaning, meaning I, I, you know, it's very interesting because the first woman who I interviewed on the show is Barry Tesler. She's a somatic financial therapist. She wrote a book called The Art of Money. She has an online program called The Art of Money. I love Barry. She's a colleague. And so it's very interesting that that's how the show started. My fourth guest was Barbara Houston, who's now been on the show twice, who's been a guest expert on my programs. So I definitely wanted to bring that part of my personal growth, mm-hmm. but I guess I was scared. I guess I, I was like, who does this? Who openly talks about money in this world? Because money's so world? taboo. Money's right. So scary. And, and so, so I was sort of like, 
you know, and you see, I had Amanda Steinberg. I have so many of those early guests and maybe people didn't notice, but I knew kind of that I was like, kind of like dropping the thing that I wanted people to learn because I had learned myself, but I wasn't, you know, even after that, um, that speakers bureau during that review, I remember Adrian Gold telling me, yeah, L, you're really good at, sh at shining a light at other people, but you're not very good at shining a light on yourself. Mm. And I was like, whoa, what, what, what am I supposed to make of this? And this with the whole, but you got to do more with this. I was like, oh, I get it. I haven't been claiming that I do have what to say, that it's not just the Barry Tesslers of the world and the Barbara Hewsons of the world is that El Trush has something unique to say about this topic. Yes, some things we share, but there's something intrinsically unique about my own experience, which is, you know, not just using classic textbook personal finance, but combining that with Jewish wisdom. And that got me really, really far and saying here, ladies, like, and that's exactly what I've try been trying to do for years through my blog. So mm -hmm. kind of all like, I was like, whoa, Hashem, now I get it. Now I get why I had to go through that journey. Now I get also why I had to get that education, which I always wonder, like, I'm much more of a communicator. I'm much more of a writer. Why in the world I was, was I in finance, right? But it starts, it all starts to make sense. So why do you think you were so afraid to touch the topic of money? Like, why are we all so afraid? Yeah, I, I don't think we had models. I don't think we really had models. Um, even now I have colleagues who, who'd been in that, in that space as Jewish women and from observant Jewish women who weren't branding or marketing their, their, their blogs, their services in any Jewish way. And now they actually are after mm -hmm. many years. And I, I don't know if that's to my credit, if it's served as an inspiration, but I could tell you five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, there was really nobody in the Jewish world talking about money. Uh, maybe there were a few men talking about money. Now I've discovered a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I can't even say that they have been doing it as long as I, because again, like I told you, even within Jewish Lab and Princess, I started having episodes which are very, very vocal on Jewish education, on, on Jewish financial education. So I think I was scared. I think we didn't have, we didn't have models and, and it was like, risque like you know what I mean but at the end of the day like I always say to my students like am I here to serve myself or am I here to serve others right my mm. ego wants to protect me I would say no no no, don't do that mm -hmm. right but I kept hearing the voice of God saying but the world needs it but there's mm -hmm. women out there who needs it I kept getting these emails with questions and people sharing their painful stories of arguments over money or struggles or wanting to make more or not getting along with their husbands like no, this can't be, you know? Um, so I think at some point I, I, I had to get over it. And of course, taking those baby steps, like throwing together a course and saying to my audience, Hey, let's get together for four weeks and getting that validation, you know, and then getting feedback, like all these things helped me along the way to feel more confident, but there definitely was a lot of overthinking. Um, even starting the podcast, Gila, I think I told you this before, five and a half years ago, I thought about this podcast for one full year. It wasn't until Barry Tesler yeah. told me, I'll come on, but I'll, I won't do video. Cause remember I was doing video interviews on the blog. I won't do video. I'll only do audio. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is such divine providence. I've been thinking of launching a podcast and Barry's assistant's like, maybe you're right. Maybe it's a sign. Wow. And that's exactly what happened because wow. she wanted to do audio. I said, okay, we have a podcast. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's true. You know, like, uh, I mean, you. I think as a business owner, I'm sure people see it as non-business owners, but like, since nothing is like so set in stone, like there's so many things that you think about this, you think about that, it takes you here, it takes you there, it makes you meet this person, it makes you meet that person. Yes. And it's all like Hashem really running yeah. the show. Yeah. And it says, it's, it says that in the, in the Hayom Yom of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, it says, one of the Hayom Yom says that a business owner, because they're in the world, they're able to see the hand of God in a much more revealed way that even the Torah scholar who is sitting and learning. But when you're out there in the world, if you open your eyes, you can see how every client, every call, every connection, like it, it, uh, it seems like it's your doing, but really, if you're sensitive and aware, you realize, oh my gosh, God is literally with me every step of the way. Cause I would have never been able to plan it this way or trace it this way That's on my true. own of my own doing. It's good, um, Chizuk, right after Yom Kippur to remember yes. that, just have that in the forefront of our, of our minds. So, um, we don't have so much time and you have a, you have like a, an amazing course on the topic of Jewish money, but, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the topic of Jewish money. And like we were saying a little bit before we started recording, like, at least for me, something that like always like eats at me is like, am I doing this for me? Am I doing this for Hashem? So like we live in a community where like things are really expensive as a firm, as a firm Jew, as an observant Jew. Like I have to send my kids to um, uh, a Jewish school, which is awesome that we have it, but you don't have to, you get to. I get to. You're right. Thank you. I get to. And kosher food and just like the lifestyle of like um, Yantif, you know, the holidays, the clothing. And and then I was saying also, like, I know, I think there's a concept of like living like, I don't know. I don't even know the translation precious of in English. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but like just living simply like we know about like um, very special like um Gedolim, like they only had like sparim books in their house, mismatched furniture, like didn't put any real value on materialism. Whereas, like I, I find myself conflicted a lot. Like, am mm -hmm. I doing this for the right reason? Do you, do you have advice or like how yeah. do you how do you reconcile that? Yeah, no, it's a beautiful question. It's something that we talk about often in the show, and I appreciate the question because it's a real struggle. You you are absolutely right. Like on the one hand, Judaism appreciates modesty and search for meaning and spirituality, right? It's not all about serving us ourselves. On the other hand, we are, we also know that there, it, Judaism understands that money is a great tool to do amazing things in the world. And we're encouraged to go and make the most of it and to earn it and use it properly. So that balance of, okay, yes, I know that I get to elevate it. I know if I do it, if I use it correctly, I am, I'm going to be serving Hashem with it, but I still have an ego. And how do I know where, where I'm, where am I doing it for the service of Hashem and where am I actually feeding myself? Right. Um, I think one of the things that come to mind, and I think this is why the, the, our sages have always told us to have a mentor. I think having a mashpia, I think having a mentor is always of param, like of such importance. And if, we have to get comfortable to also bring these topics, right? Like, again, money is not meant to be a secret thing, a taboo thing. So I think that's on the one hand. On the other hand, I also think that we have to a little bit um, re rewrite that story and, and know that the Jewish narrative is, yes, you should seek spirituality, but it's not that one is opposing the other. It's that they both go hand in hand, that 
that the material is not here to it's not here to derail you from your spiritual growth. It like the Lubavitcher Rebbe at one time once asked during a Purim for bringing in the fifties, he talked about the challenge of wealth, right? We all know that there's, there's challenge in poverty, but being wealthy is also a tremendous challenge because of the things that you and I just described, right? Mm -hmm. We can very quickly turn into arrogant beings who stop seeing how God is bestowing the blessings and who think that it's all the work of my hands, like it says in the Torah, right? It says very clearly in the book of Devarim, you know, th that's a warning that says, don't fall into that trap, right? So it is a real challenge. And as the Rebbe was speaking about this, he actually said um, to the crowd, he said, and nevertheless, if only we could see that we can overcome this challenge and whoever is here who is willing to take it upon themselves, the challenge to take upon themselves the challenge of wealth, raised their hands. And it, this was the 50s. And unfortunately, only six people raised their hands. And they were always quite disappointed because this was the opportunity for people to actually get that blessing of wealth and rise up to the occasion. And I think this narrative is something that there is a shift in the times. And this was very much part of the, Re the Lubavitcher Rebbe's message of we're in the times of Mashiach. We are in a different era. Yes, it could be that generations ago, there was no options. And by the way, this is very dif different from you know, European Jews than Sephardic Jews, right? So there's a very different money narrative because of the historical conditions that we live. But overall, we have to know that the, the, the Jewish narrative is money is great. Wealth is great. It's not something to be shunned upon unless God forbid, it's going to derail you. But you as an agent of God have the responsibility to grow on yourself enough to know, to not allow it to derail you. Right. So, so, so we, we have to know what we're up against, but like the Rebbe said, but we also have to take on the challenge, not say, Oh, I'm up against that challenge. Oh, let me back away from it. Let me just sit and learn all day and let, let let's not, let's not engage with money. We'll figure it out. No, we're here to engage with physicality. How do we bring Mashiach? How do we transform the world? How do we make God, how do we bring God down into the world and create a, a dwelling place for him here? And that's what we're here for, right? So if I say, well, you know what? I'm not going to deal with that because that's a real challenge and I don't want my spiritual development to be hurting. What angle is that? That's all me serving, right? So if you think, well, what does God want from me, right? God needs a dwelling place in the world. A dwelling place in the world happens when you have a beautiful Shabbos table. When you invite people to your Shabbos table and there's beautiful food and there's beautiful Shalom Bayit and there's beautiful children and there's beautiful words of Torah. And when you put your kids through an amazing Jewish education that they can be proud Yidden out there and they could do so much good for the, for the world, you say, yeah, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, right? I'm putting my money where God wants me to put it. But that again, it's, it's, am I being me-centered or am I being God-centered? I'm not saying this is easy to navigate. What I'm saying is it starts with a shift in perspective. And the shift in perspective is what does God need from me? And God, that's why I called my, my, my signature programs called God Wants Me To Be Rich. Because the mm. bottom line is that God needs us to have and wants us to have all these resources. He's ready to give it to us. We were standing Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and we were praying for materiality. We weren't praying for the next world reward. Mm. We were praying for this world now here. God send me right now. So you have to think that that's Judaism. Judaism is not about the next world. Judaism is about this world. What are you going to do today to make this world a better place. And that necessitates physical resources. 
among them money. And God is willing to give them to you. He'll give you the money. He'll give you also creativity and connections and smart, all the blessings you need, your health, all of it, if you're ready to step up to the mission. And of course, each of us have individual, you know, kind of challenges and, and journeys within that when we say the mission. But what I'm saying is we have to understand that this is not here to derail us, just like our food is not here to derail us, just like our children are not here to derail us, right? Our husbands, right? It's all to be channeled into that service, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm here to create a dwelling place, a home for God, where God is comfortable, where God is revealed. And therefore money is going to be one of those tools. And I'm going to the best that I can to use it in that way. Now, again, if we have to talk to mentors along the way, please let's do that, right? It's important that we do that because we are physical beings and we have an ego. So let's check with ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Let's check with ourselves. Am I really, am I really paying attention too much to what the Goldstein's next door are thinking, am I doing this because it's the right school for my kid and the right fit? Or is it because it's the school that everybody goes to, right? Or it's the house that my sister-in-law bought. So I have to buy the same house. Is it really what me and my family, right? So we have to do that self-check with ourselves. And that's why, you know, having a mashpia is important. That's why talking to your spouse is so important. That's why prayer is so important, right? So there are different things that we can do to keep ourselves in check. But overall, we have to change that perspective and know that this is a tool and a means and it's a beautiful one and God is ready to give it to us. It's not something, again, to derail me or stop me from my spiritual growth. Your spiritual growth happens here, happens when you're involved, when you're living and breathing godliness and revealing that godliness in the world. It doesn't happen by you secluding yourself in a mountaintop, you know, with the same t-shirt for 10 years, right? No, it happens it happens in the physical world. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm like blown away. Um, I, I feel like I could, so I could take this in so many directions, but, um, I'm just trying to think where I want to go with it. Um, yeah, I, I, a few stories kind of come to mind. Like, first of all, this, you interviewed Chase Taub on your podcast. And I remember him saying, I can't remember the exact details, but something, um, I think it was a Mohel, uh, asking like, exactly what he should like what's really important for his job and the, the rav said make sure you have a really comfortable car mm -hmm. remember with all the amenities and I was like yes that's so that's such a good Absolutely. example to like encapsulate what you're talking about like anything that's going to like you know Yom Kippur was yesterday like more comfortable shoes or something that will enhance your yantif that's physical right exactly. that's something that how we elevate also like I actually had this with um with I think it was last year around Parham time that my kids asked me if they can make their own shalachmanos and I was getting anxious about the money because I had already spent all the money on my shalachmanos and I remember asking a mentor and she was she really explained that money is really a value system right our money like what we spend money on is what we value yeah exactly. and if, if you wanted your children to value the mitzvah that's that's a good way to spend your money 100%. and but I still I wonder if you could give us like maybe like an exercise or something that you do with your with your clients that like I you know I definitely ask Shilas but I still find myself ask like feeling like like you, you definitely have to be self-honest but like you know what I mean like am, am I inviting company because I want to impress my company am I making fancier food because I want to impress my company like do you have any um like practical tools that we could use like day to day because this is a daily struggle. I yeah. Like. Yeah. So, so I'll give you one practical and then I'll give you a spiritual insight that I just shared with my audience. Okay. So I think on the practical level, we have to get comfortable with what our numbers are and we have, and, and that doesn't mean, you know, Oh, but I know, I know we're, you know, overdoing our credit card. No, no, no. But do you know, 
what, how the cash flow comes in. Do you know how your husband's money is coming in and out and how you, right? It, it doesn't mean, well, every few months we talk about money. No, it means regularly sitting down calmly, creating a sacred space for you if you're single or you and your spouse, if you're married, really get in touch with what's happening, right? How much am I really bringing in and what's coming up? Mm-hmm. Oh, Yantav is coming up. What kind of Yantav? do I want to have? How much does Yantav usually cost? You'd be surprised mm-hmm. how many people don't know how much is that kind of like the baseline in my family, right? Mm-hmm. We just kind of just do whatever it takes, right? right. And and, and, I, and I, I'm not saying don't don't invest on Yantav. I'm saying let's do it with intentionality. Let's sit down and say, you know what? If I don't know how much Yantav costs, now it's a great time to say, how much did I spend this month? And that's a great starting point, even though things were higher this year, but it's a great starting point for you to know what you're going to need next year. So many people also, and, and I really admire this. I've done it some years. It hasn't worked every year, but I certainly do it for most of my saving goals is I have sub-savings accounts. So for example, if I have a Tishrei account, I can start funding it every month with a little bit of money that goes in there. And then you can tell me, well, something came up and I'll, I use that money. That's great. It's okay. Thank God the money was there. You earmarked it for Tishrei and an emergency came up and you didn't have enough in another account. You use it. That's fine. God will help. But, but we have to do our part. We have to say, okay, what within the parameters of nature, what can I do? Right to be more aware, more conscious so that I can make those decisions. And then we, when we know our number, then we can make more educated choices. For example, if I know I have $2,500 to spend on Yantov, there are many things those could go for, right? There's the basics, like the Lulav and the Etrog. There's, you know, the seats for shul, let's say. There's some basic things. There's a basic amount of food your family will need of maybe even paper goods that your family would need and, you know, wine or whatever. But then there's the atoms, right? This year, do we want to host a lot? Or is our family in a, in, a, in a, you know, sometimes we're not in a mental space or our kids are not ready, right? And we're just having family, but we're not having family and company or we're having company only one night out of, you know, many, right? There's a vibe in the family or do we, do we want to throw parties on Holomoid, right? Like we're doing that this year, but we don't do it every year, right? Well, or do I feel like we need outfits, right? Sometimes we want outfits and it's good to get new outfits, but do we really need it? Right. So this year, for example, in my family, we're hosting a lot of people, but I went through everybody's closet, including my own. And guess what? I can shop in my own closet. Right. Mm -hmm. Would it be nice to get a new dress or a couple of new dresses? Absolutely. Would it be nice even to get a new shade? though? Absolutely. But do I really need it right now? Can it wait? Because I feel like this year, Yantov is more in our home now that we have kids away. It, they really want to see people. They want us to have big simchas, like big sudas, whatever. Right. So it's, it became all about that. So now I know, okay, this is within the parameters of the money that I get to spend, you know, and the basics. I have to buy Lula Van Etrek for three boys, right? My husband and two boys, I have to, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's the add on. So this year it's not going to be dresses and it's not going to be, you know, jewelry and it's not going to be a shaitel and it's not going to be shoes. It's going to be more on the food and the alcohol and the, you know, paper goods, right? And that's fine. I get to make that choice because I sat down and as a family, we envisioned what this is going to look like. And sometimes it's like, I just need more cleaning help. Mm-hmm. And so, right. So, so once we have that baseline number, then I think it's, then we can make a little bit more of an educated in, 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 intentional decision. So rather than just going at it, like, okay, let's just start swiping and, you know, let's buy whatever we, 
need want there's wants right. and their needs and there's right. it's okay if sometimes we if there are some that fall in both category i'm not saying mm -hmm. that that's not ever going to happen but what i'm saying is if we take a little bit of a step back what happens is we live very rushed lives and so everything i'm saying it's like you really want me to sit down and look at my numbers you really want me to understand mm -hmm. right and it's a little bit the long short road yes it's going to take you longer but you know what you're going to achieve in the long term it's just going to be so much better than kind of like um, burying your head in the sand and just swiping and figuring, you know, hoping that everything will work itself out. Right. So that's on a practical level. Does that make sense? I love, to that. I love it. I love that example. It, it resonated with me because I'll just talk quickly, but we could always do a part two, but, um, but because we, my husband and I have always had like, sort of like that spreadsheet that you talk about the money date, mm -hmm. but like, I, I do think it's, it's one of those like really easy things that you just sit, you have a, you have a spreadsheet income, expenses and then every we don't meet every week but when I when I am feeling anxious it does help me to have that meeting and right. it's really when like you've talked about having it once a week and I feel like when you do it have it once a week you have so much it's not awareness it's, so much awareness and it doesn't take more time it takes less time because you yes. have you're not guessing you're not swiping and I love that because we were talking about money as a value system it's as a as you know in line with your values, values. it's like do, yeah do we need no clothes or are we going to use that money to have company and like yeah. you said and sometimes I sometimes it's too hard for me to have company right now with my kids right. stage of life and financially whatever it is exactly. and it's like knowing that means you feel comfortable with your decision yes and maybe that means you know what we're not at a stage to having a lot of company, but you know what? Some of that money, I want to help another family, right? We get to make our charity decisions like that, right? Sometimes, you know how many, I, I wrote about this um, on Pesach, like, oh my goodness, we're running around trying to buy for our families and getting ready for Yantav. But did we even stop and think that we have to give Maus Chitim, that we actually have to have in our budget money to do this separate mitzvah, right? We, we can only do that if we lehat chila from the beginning, start looking at our numbers and what do we want to do with that money? Whatever it might be, it might be a thousand dollars, maybe $5,000, maybe $10,000, whatever God has given you right now that you can utilize to make of the best, most honorable, beautiful experience. Let's approach it with that intentionality. And I want to share with you another insight because I found this so beautiful. You know how, you know how it says that in the Talmud that we get our blessings from the 10, during the 10 days of between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, our blessings for livelihood, right? So I heard an insight and then, and it also in that same Gemara and that same Talmud, it says that a person who um, invests in, in, um, in Shabbat, in Yamim Tovim and in um, Talmud Torah and the Torah education of their children, their, their life, so, so that we get the money allotted during these 10 days, except what we spend on those three things. And when we invest in those three things, whoever invests in them, we'll get money for that. Like you'll get an added amount just for that. And the person who doesn't, if you, if you cut down on those things, then your, your earnings will actually be cut down. So I heard a beautiful insight about this concept that, sa that says that it's from Tishrei, ad Tishrei, chutz mi Tishrei. So it's from Tishrei to Tishrei, you get an allotted amount, right? From Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah, you get an allotted amount. Except, like we said, those three things, Talmud Torah, Shabbat, and Yomim Tovim. But this insight said, except Tishrei. What does Tishrei mean? So it's tough for Talmud Torah, right? The, the Jewish education of our kids. Um, shin for Shabbatot, right? For Shabbat. Reish for regalim, for Yom in Tovim, the, the wow. Shalosh regalim, and Yud for Maaser, for tithing. Wow. You get an allotted amount 
for your entire mm -hmm. year from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. But those things are ex an exception. Those things are not allotted to you because they're in God's bank account. You have to invest in them and God puts down the money that you're going to use for them. And like the Gemara says, if you decide not to, then okay, so they're going to reduce for you. But if you decide wow. that you're doing it, God will send it from his bank account. So wow. I think we have to keep these things. You know, a Jew is, a, we live in a paradox. A Jew is physical and it's spiritual at the same time. And we see it with money. We have to take the natural actions. We have to sit down and have a conversation about how much money is coming in and how much we have available and how we're going to spend it. And are we going to pay with our credit card? Are we going to use our savings accounts? Like all these boring, practical, mundane things being in the world. And yet we have to keep a higher perspective and says, you know what? I can take a little bit more risk here because this is what's important. God wants me to spend on Yantav, right? And whatever, or God wants me to get the best Jewish education to my children. You know how many times we make choices, right? Like, no, I can't put my kid in that Hebrew school, or I, I would never pay for day school tuition. Or I would, because like, then how can I pay for the cars? Or then we can't go on the vacation with my husband's family that we always go to, right? And Yes and no. It's how you choose to live. Do you choose to live within the parameters of nature or do you choose to do things from a higher perspective that's saying, oh, the creator of the world told me that he will finance my child's education. Imagine if the president of the United States said, pick a, pick a, pick, pick a school for your child, I'll pay for it, right? Are you going to say, oh, no, 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 not that school. You're going to pick the best school, right? So you have to think like the creator of the world wants me to educate my children. So how do I pick the best school for my children? Yeah. Yes. It's going to be very hard to finance it perhaps. And I'm going to have to like do incredible things to do it. But if I have the best partner in the world and I'm trusting that he's with me on this, then I will do it. Right. But if I don't have a partner, of course, I'm going to be anxious and worried. Mm -hmm. and I won't be able to, I might not be able even to manage because there's so much that we can do. So a Jew has to be here and there, here and there, constant, constant paradox, constant push and pull. We're always living in this tension. So that's why I wanted to brought that insight as well as combining it with uh, the practical. I love that. Um, do you have to go? I have five more minutes. Okay. So I was gonna, I was just gonna kind of like sum up that when you said that the constant uh, push and pull, the constant paradox, that is the life of a Jew. And I totally. feel like that might be why that that question kind of like burns, like you feel it because you are. I'm trying to articulate how I'm feeling when you say that because it's so it's so helpful. The advice is so helpful because it's almost like you are supposed to always be questioning: Am yes. I doing this for me? Am I doing this for Hashem? Am I trusting Hashem is helping me? Like you always constant. have to be in conversation with your Yetzirah. Always, you have to talk to it. You have to know it by name. You say, "Oh, hi, Yael. I know exactly what you're telling me, and I know right now you want me to freak out, and I know mm. you want me to go argue with my husband, but but I don't need to listen to you." Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm higher than you, because I know better than that. Right. We have to get very comfortable with our two sides, very, very comfortable and kind of laugh at it and then just be in that constant dialogue. Right. Know that it's real. The struggle is real. It says very clear in Tanya. You have a struggle. You will mm. always have a struggle. That's it. That's the life of a yid. Don't, right. don't ignore the struggle. Say, oh, I'm here. I'm up for it. I'm up for the battle. And the more I strengthen myself, then the weaker the Yatara is and the more it could continue. But in order to weaken it, you have to, you have to, you have to face her. You know, you don't have to give her importance. You just have to say, okay, thank you very much for your insight. I hear you. Now I'm going to go do what my soul wants me to do. I'm not going to say this mean thing to my husband. And I'm actually going to dive in and I'm actually going to dive in for Parnassa. And I'm actually going to sit and send my miser the way I want to, even though it feels like, oh, I really don't have this money. Do I really have to send it out? Right? 
Uh, you're inspiring me for this month, you know, like, what do I, what do I still have to do in terms of making sure that, that my money's, you know, doing, I'm doing the right thing with my money. So um, it's, a, it's really, really inspiring. And I think that I'm so glad. I, I think it, it is like when we started with the episode, like, it's one of those scary things. No one wants to touch it. Like you said, like, in a way we think like Bitachon is just swipe the credit card and like, you know, hope with all your might, but it's not, there is yeah. a level, there's Hishtadlis, we have to do our part. And I feel like, I feel like there's that paradox again. We are, we are, we are saying it's, it all comes from you, but we but still have, have to, to do, be in, we still have to be intentional because, yeah. in order to have, right. Yeah. God says, yeah, I will bless you and all that you do. That means you have to do, we have to right. get a job right. and we have to go to work and we have to charge our clients and we have to put some money into savings and some money into investing. And we have to have a budget. We have to do our part. And yes, of course we do it with the best partner next to us, but we still do it because he told us to do. And because right. he told us to do, we do it because it's part of serving him. And then we trust in him, right? right. It's part of trust. Right. It's is part of trust. Right. And like you said, in the beginning, there's like that calling that you had with the money that it was like, it was like, you were scared, you were scared, you were scared. And Hashem kept putting it in your head, putting it, you know, near you. And that's also like that duality of like, almost like running from what we right. know is deep within us. It's, it's, you know, we've talked about intuitive eating also, like, I know for me, so many people were like, do not do it. Just do weight loss. Everybody wants weight loss. Everyone wants weight loss. And you have that like, burning inside of you like no I I know that there's something more here I know that for me I want to help people with their holistic their whole mm -hmm. relationship with food so it's like you do get those messages from Hashem and like listening to it is part of the work I guess yeah yeah and Gila if I could um share something a free resource that some of your audience might find helpful especially if they're married it's also helpful if you're not married because I always believe that having these money dates if you're still not in a serious committed relationship it's going to set you up you know, to enter into a partnership on a such, in such a great level, because you're coming at it already from a place of confidence with your money and clarity with your money, rather than kind of like, you know, head buried in the sand. But I have a great resource on the money date. It's the 10, 10 tips for success for money date success. Um, and it's completely free. And I give you my first, my best 10 tips and also even scripts to use with your, with your spouse, because I know that, you know, we can, we can talk about, yeah, like you said, you mentioned the money date. I mentioned the money date, right. But like, really? Do I have to sit and talk about this with my husband? And how is that going to go? Because we have a president and it's never gone very well. So why would I even want to engage with that? Right. This right. woman's telling me to engage with my money and that involves talking about it. Right. I don't really want to go there. So right. whoever wants to kind of change that and really succeed at it, I, I, I have something it's at yaeltrush.com forward slash money date. And it's very, very helpful. Okay. Thank you so much for everything. Do you want to tell the listeners where they can find you and your amazing courses and all your yes. work? Yes. So the podcast is Jewish Money Matters everywhere. I have a mini course now. I don't know if you know about it. It's Recession Proof Your Life. Mighty mini course. I'm so proud of what this. What is it called? It's called Recession Proof Your Life because cool. everybody's really right now kind of wondering, how do I do this? Right. And it's like, you know what? Let's have this conversation. Let's turn, let's learn the tools that we need to use so that our life is actually recession proof. Not, not now, but always, right? Can, mm -hmm. How can we thrive during recessions? Um, and it is a mini course. It's very accessible, very user friendly, a lot of great resources. And that's at yaeltrush.com forward slash recession proof. That's where you get that. And it's all of $27. So it's like a steal of a deal. So the podcast, 
recession proof your life. Yeah, forward slash recession proof. The money date guide is yeah, forward slash money date. And if anybody wants to take a deep, deep dive with me for 10 weeks where we really work on the mindset and the management, and we have a lot of fun in a group coaching setting. That's God wants you to be rich. And there's a wait list for that. We're opening the doors at the end of the year. And that's yaeltrush.com wait list forward slash wait list. Wow. 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 Thank you so, so, so much for coming on. I really, really Thank appreciate you. it. This was amazing. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Always great to see you. You too. Have a great day. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.